Welcome to the I Love Music Podcast. My name is Jen Fedor. I started the I Love Music Podcast to inspire people who love music, encourage people who work within the industry, and to hear each person's unique story. For this episode, I got to talk with Nick Reinhart of Disheveled Cuss and Tara Mellos. Disheveled Cuss's debut album is out June 12th on Sargent House. This was a fun interview with Nick. We talk about the new album, his music journey, songwriting, working with Best Coast and Portugal the Man, and so much more. If you want to pre-order Disheveled Cuss's new album, visit sergeanthouse.com. All right, let's get into Nick's interview. First off, how is Dot doing? <laughs> Nick has this adorable pup named Dot, and she's so cute. How is how's Dot the dog? <laughs> she's good. So Dot's a little fawn pug, and um, she really doesn't like the heat. And even oh gosh, though it's yeah. probably like 82 in L.A. today, that's like even too hot for a pug. So basically, she just kind of like sprawls out in her bed on her back with like tries to zone out and ignore the heat all day long she doesn't really like to come near me all that much because yeah (laughs) i guess i generate too much heat so yeah she's just she's off doing her thing in fact it's like normally she would be by my side and i don't even see her right now so oh my gosh (laughs) i know i mean i know a lot of people love dot so i was like i have to have to start it off with that question yeah it's pretty funny she's got like an international fan base (laughs) (laughs) so great so what type of music did you listen to growing up the the genesis of from like let's say 11 to now i was 11 years old in 1994 so kind of just what you'd expect like a little kid to get into like a rocker right like the very classic 11 12 year old rocker in the mid 90s nirvana and metallica and whoa mtv and all that kind of stuff and punk music and so i guess by the time i'm a teenager it's like okay yeah i'm a a punk rocker that's what i'm into and that's kind of like how the journey begins how did you start like playing guitar like what so, was that progression so i started playing guitar when i was 11 my stepbrother okay. got one for christmas and i got something else i don't even i have no idea what i would have gotten for christmas that year but he got a guitar and i thought that was the coolest thing ever and i will always remember just like oh can i play it can i play it you know like me just trying to like hog his the his christmas gift so it must have really not been that much long after that that I saved up some, you know, bucks, did chores or whatever, and, and went yeah. and bought like a hundred or two hundred dollar guitar. So I was eleven. So that's also around the time that I'm like discovering the music that I like, and that I feel like, you know, represents me as a person. You know, as like from like eleven to sixteen or something like that. So I, yeah. so I'm kind of like growing up discovering music as I'm playing you know, kind of trying to play music. But yeah, so it basically all starts with rock and punk music up until like my late teens kind of thing. What was the very first band you were in? Well, actually, what's one really interesting thing that I kind of go back and think about is I didn't, I really didn't even realize that like anyone could write a song. Like I had a guitar and I even had, you know, like stuff that I could record music with my dad had a four track recorder that he taught me how to use and so i i would you know use that off and on as i as i was learning but it really didn't occur to me until maybe i was 15 or something when i was like oh i can write a song and i kind of know how to do this you know so the the first well i played in just kind of like bedroom 
punk bands with friends that really didn't do much but i would say like the first quote-unquote real band that was like a band that had practice and played shows was this band a sacramento band called no regard which was just like we were the vibe of that band was like very 90s epitaph uh, fat records kind of punk music fast okay. aggressive yeah. skateboarding punk music like oh we we're all skateboarders and we like playing fast stuff so that's kind of like where where I really started doing it doing this whole thing is like oh yeah playing in a fast punk band hardcore punk band kind of thing did you have any mentors or anything or was it just like your friends around you that like you grew learning the instruments and whatnot like who was i looking up to at that point well you know around that age is when you kind of start going to local shows you know and so and then you kind of find the bands that you like locally and yeah what was the sacramento scene like back in the day so sacramento scene when i'm in high school and starting to drive and stuff is like like i said a lot of punk music fast hardcore punk stuff which is that's probably one of the reasons why we were the band that we were at the time there were guys and girls uh that were maybe i would say well okay so here's the thing i i wanted to say 10 years older than us but really it probably there wasn't that big of an age difference because the difference between you know a 16 year old and a 21 year old even though that's only a few years or whatever that's yeah. massive you know even a 16 yeah. year old to a, a 19 or 20 20 year old you know so like mm-hmm. th- i guess a lot of those people maybe weren't that much older than us but there was just like you know <laughs> i guess the old timers that were <laughs> yeah, just like they'd yeah. been around the block and they knew what they were doing and we were like also here's the other thing like I was from the suburbs. We were the dorks from the suburbs, you know? Okay. So when you'd go to downtown yeah. Sacramento, like I never, ever, I mean, half of this is in my head, maybe more than half, but like I never felt like at home in that world. And I feel like that kind of like, um, I don't know, that in, instilled something in me kind of like feeling kind of like an outcast sort of thing. Like, yeah. oh, I never mm-hmm. had a sense of community really, but it's just because that was my own neurosis in my head and being a weirdo, you know, but, yeah. but so I was just, I was always kind of uncomfortable and awkward about stuff, but there were, you know, older, older people that were doing what we wanted to be doing. Like, oh man, they're, they play so good and they're, they're an awesome band and they have merch and they have a CD for sale. I want to do that, you know? So I would, yeah. I would say it was like the generation of bands before us were the ones that in my head we were like building, like, you know, copying their whatever like roadmap kind of thing you know that's cool how did Terra milos you know come together back into like back in 2004 is that yeah right? so first things first let's clear up this name business so oh, no, did I pronounce which is it okay wrong? but it, i've been cor- <laughs> so but it's okay i've been sorry. correcting people since 2004 <laughs> and actually i was giving a i gave a guitar lesson to a 15 year old guy named joe in london yeah. the other day and he asked me about the name so I'm I'm kind of fresh <laughs> on talking about this. Uh, yeah. So well, the band the way you pronounce it is Terra Melos. Terra Melos. And at the time, okay. at the time in the early 2000s, at least in Sacramento, there was a vibe, a band name vibe. Lots of bands were doing like longer names, breaking the silence, or something like yeah. that. Not literally that. I mean, I'm sure there's probably 400 bands named Breaking the Silence, but something like that, right? And, yeah. and we were. Also, so keep in mind, we didn't come 
Terramelos came was born out of playing in punk bands, right? Basically, the mm-hmm. the the gist of it goes like, oh, we play in this punk band called No Regard. It doesn't really do much, and then a couple of us go, hey, we should start a new band and like try and do it like for real, for real. Put out records, yeah. go on tour, that whole thing. Uh, and then we had also kind of like flipped the kind of music that we were interested in playing. It becomes a little more far out, experimental, blah, blah, blah. So, but back mm-hmm. to the name. So there's all these kind of like really corny bands in our world. Again, the punk world, not experimental yeah. music, not like necessarily yeah. weird, far out stuff. It's like very kind of like kind of caveman-y thing. So when mm-hmm. we came up with the name, we wanted a name that was outside the box that I, I specifically remember thinking it would be cool if we had a band name where you did not know what the band would sound like based off of what the name was for but and so for instance like embrace the silence with a kind of a <laughs> yeah. scary looking logo we knew it, right. that we were that was so eye rolly at the time so we wanted kind of a confusing band name and unfortunately <laughs> That was like it's uh, difficult for to say. It's not difficult to say. It's difficult to figure out how to say it, right? Uh, yeah. Everyone goes for the Milos thing, and I got to tell you, it's Milos. like no, like Milos. it's all good. I, again, <laughs> yeah. it's been sixteen years, but it's like nails on a chalkboard for me hearing that, <laughs> and I'm like, man, that was our fault. We, you know, we named it the wrong thing, but not not that it's just like I, we should have known we would have to endure that for years and years to come so but yeah so Terramello starts in 2004 out of kind of blooms out of us getting a little bit older and being like okay we would like to we're getting a little past just like yeah. playing fast punk music do you remember what one of your first tours was like back then uh well yeah back then was kind of the early myspace.com days Oh, yeah. Um, And, you know, basically what you would do in the early 2000s is you could go onto MySpace. You know, you'd have your band page kind of thing. Yeah. And you could search. You could you would kind of map out where you wanted to play shows. So, okay, we want to play. All right. We want to do a little. We can each take a week off of work or whatever, or we don't have jobs or whatever it is, but we can afford to do, you know, be gone for nine days. So let's try and play right. a San Francisco show, a Santa Cruz show, San Jose, get down to Ventura, try and magically get an LA show, San Diego, and <laughs> yeah. then drive back up. Something like that, right? So yeah. what you would do is you would do regional searches on MySpace of the bands from those areas, and you'd be like, you know, kind of be, you'd listen to, 20 bands and kind of be like, all right, well, these three are okay. 17, these ones suck. So let's just send messages. Let's, you know, copy and paste the same message to each one of these bands or whatever. They'd be like, Hey, you know, we're this band. You guys seem cool. Like, and you'd show trade too, right? Like if you guys could set something up for us, we'd set something up for you in Sacramento, that sort of thing. So that's how the early tours started. And yeah, I think one of our, the very first thing we ever did, in fact, Oh, was it the first? I don't know if it was the very first show of the very first tour. I get confused um, what was what. But I do remember within the very first few shows of our quote-unquote first very DIY tour, we were in Santa Cruz, and we couldn't get a Santa Cruz show. So I remember it was like raining like crazy this day, and we were just going to coffee shops asking 
hey, we're a band. Can we play in here like tonight? Would that be okay if we, we're like on tour and we don't have yeah. a show? So can we just come play? And we eventually found like a cafe that was cool enough to let us do that. And I mean, for anyone not familiar, especially with the early days of Terramelos, it was like a thrashy, like loud, insane, <laughs> knocking things over and being just ridiculous sort of band. So we were like, yeah. oh my God, awesome. We're going to get to play this coffee shop and it's going to be the funniest thing. It was pouring rain. It was insane. We load all of our gear through the like torrential downpour and we yeah. set, start setting everything up, finally get everything set up. And I turned my amp on, which at the time was just a, a, a ridiculously loud amp. Actually, I think it's probably, it's one of the loudest guitar, like rock guitar amps you could have. And I had yeah. it for some reason. I didn't need that. I just thought it was cool at the time. And I remember I turned it on and I strummed one chord, like not a distorted chord or like wacky sounds or whatever, just one clean guitar chord. And yeah. like it asked anyone in the band they'll all remember the manager who agreed to let us play she flew over the bar counter and it was like whoa 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 what are you doing no you're not doing that and I, we were like oh my uh, gosh okay i mean you know i now that i think about yeah. it we probably were like oh yeah we're like a jazzy band we probably said jazzy which <laughs> at the time like <laughs> at the time was not yeah like yeah. Well, we used jazz chords and that like the drummer liked jazz yeah. but i think we probably just said that to lie to get in there you know like we'll make a spectacle out of this and so she flies over the counter she's like nope and i remember she literally asked the drummer if he could like quote unquote play with brushes or something and we were just like <laughs> Okay, Typical. this isn't going to work. So we literally <laughs> yeah. packed up all of our gear, went back out into the rain and threw it all back in the van. And that sort of like, you know, defines what the first probably, I don't know, handful of tours were, you know, just like that right. style, like kind of winging it. And then basically what we would do is slowly move it, you know, further north and further uh, east. Like, okay, we can make yeah. it up to Seattle, can make it up to Bellingham, and then we could get all the way out to El Paso. Oh, and may now we can maybe get to Houston, you know, stuff like that. So when you're kids and, you know, like just trying to figure it out, you don't really know what you're doing. And so we just sort of like figured it out, I guess. How did you get connected to Sergeant House then? They hopped on board. Was it 2013 or? Oh, much, much earlier than that. Earlier um, than, okay. Yeah, they, I believe Sergeant House is a management and uh, record label management like company i guess yeah the record label and we, yeah they, they, yeah they're awesome yeah. i I'm, I'm friends with mark and yeah they're great yeah um i think they were managing a couple kathy pella was managing a couple bands that we were into i think she was working with the band these arms are snakes which we were fans of and had played with and then maybe um maybe she was had rx bandits at the time maybe it was like rx bandits these arms are snakes and maybe one other band i can't remember who it would have been but yeah. we were like oh this would be someone that might like what we do or be interested and so we probably shot her actually we probably sent a myspace message or or shot her an email <laughs> or something i don't know but we yeah. got in touch i just love the mice i always forget about i mean 
I forget about MySpace, but like yeah. I love that's that's how a lot of bands yeah, did it back in the day true. with all of our MySpaces. Oh well, my gosh! Well, we probably yeah. sent her a link to our MySpace page, and we're just like, <laughs> "Hey, we're this band, you know." And like at the time, yeah. we had already been we had kind of like um, evolved our touring to where we were support bands on tours and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, friends would take us out, and I think. Um, that must have been around 2000 that was 2007 i believe so we had probably just done you know maybe two or three like full u.s tours support tours and i think the story goes like she probably saw that and was like whoa huh this is almost the band that doesn't need my help which makes me want to help them you know what i mean right we basically we had already laid out all the groundwork so it's not like she had to establish our band she kind of just jumped on board to help us further our band, you know, but like we knew how to, we had pressed our own records and we knew how to make shirts. And I think we were on our second van by then, you know what I mean? We were very like yeah. responsible and, you know, cause like I said, remember we came from, you know, punk rock, which is very do it yourself. So we knew yeah. what we were doing, like, okay, we need to get a good van. How do you do that? All right. Well, I guess I'll take out a loan. You know what I mean? Well, all right. We right. got to be able to like play X amount of shows a month to like cover the van payment. All right. You know? So we, mm-hmm. we were very on top of it. And I think Kathy thought that was pretty cool. And so she jumped on board. Um, well, yeah, we just kind of started doing the thing. I, and I, I want to say it was 2007. She, she reissued a couple of our previous things around that time. And uh, yeah, and then we, we went from there. That's so great. How did your newer project, Disheveled Cuss, come together? Like, what what was the process of putting together those songs? And Yeah, uh, well, that's a much easier name to figure out how to pronounce, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It definitely uh, is. Disheveled Cuss <laughs> is, for the uninitiated who have yet to check out my, my new project, Disheveled Cuss, it's... Uh, my quote unquote normal sounding band, which my friend uh, Ron Harrell, who did who did all the photography for the record, he has since told me to stop describing it as my normal sounding band <laughs> because it's not very normal sounding. Uh, it's just maybe relative to all the things I've done in the past. Uh, it's a little normal sounding. So, you know, I, I mean, it has like that 90s like indie rock vibe like you know and in like early 90s in in Terramelos, i always wanted to i wanted to carve out our own path i was you know we all wanted to do that we wanted to like try and not ever have any walls built up around us and that was kind of the challenge of that band and that was kind of like what i embraced even outside the band just musically in general anything i've done yeah you know the last show i played before <laughs> before the coronavirus uh quarantine i i did an improv set with the drummer from Deerhoof. uh his name is greg sonier and we did a two-piece improv set and i had a contact mic on my guitar and i was i wasn't even playing it i was just kind of banging on it with different instruments and it sounded like um you know like when you when you turn your garbage disposal on and you accidentally have like a fork in there and then you're like freak out you turn it off real quick that's what my guitar sounded like that's what that's the quote-unquote music that i was playing and (laughs) you know and i have really really loved doing that stuff and i've kind of always been about embracing that kind of weird weirdness and for disheveled cuss i was like you know i would like to not have to consider that i would like to not like think of this band as an art project 
I just want to write songs and yeah. put them. I, I want them to be in a box. And like, you know, with with Terramellos, I would be so, you know, I would cringe if someone was like, it reminds me of, t you know, mid 2000s post hardcore math rock or whatever. I'd be like, no, no, you're yeah. missing the point. That's not what it is. But with this, yeah. you're like, oh, early 90s indie rock. Yes. Bingo. You yeah. got it. I yeah. love that. You yeah. Know, I love the comparisons to bands because this is just like, you know, I, um, I, there was this whole just side of my musical personality that I feel like I wasn't able to represent um, in anything that I had done previously. You know, like I said, there yeah. always had to be this edge on it that made it a little different, which I still really, really love doing that. I just wanted to be able to like, you know, write songs that don't have any pretense or anything. They're just like, cool, here's my songs. Hope you like them. There's no like yeah. insane drums or sound effects or, you know, smashing guitar amps or something. They're just what I, you know, what I hope are good songs that people can enjoy. And, you know, and so AKA normal, right. But normal yeah. filtered through someone that's been doing non-normal music for, you know, the past 16 years. So that's why my buddy right. I think, made the comment like, well, you should stop telling people it sounds, you know, it's normal because it's not normal. You know, there are like little, like I said, it gets filtered through how I perceive normal, but that's kind of the story of that band. And some of those songs on the record go back. I can remember b playing one of the guitar riffs on, in an apartment that I lived in in 2006. So some some of the wow. ideas are really really old, and it just kind of like shows like man, I, like I've I've kind of had that stuff in my brain for a long time. I just right. never had like the right opportunity to you know um, present it. Yeah. So she don't want the music video. I mean, is like kind of like a very analog video tape vibe from like from the like early nineties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How did that music video come together? Well, um, just aesthetically that era of music is just style, fashion, just the way things were back then, you know? And yeah. like, it's, I don't know. I hear people kind of like trash talk, like, Oh, it's just nostalgia or whatever. But I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, that's like, it's a really neat time for all of this stuff, you know? And I love the way, the music videos yeah. were i love the way i love the tennis shoes that people wore then i loved the the way the guitars looked you know what i mean it's just everything mm -hmm. about like music from that era was just so cool so that's just sort of an aesthetic that's always i've gravitated towards and i have this buddy this guy named ben fannin who's done a bunch of Terramelos videos almost every single one and he shares that love for that aesthetic and so I kind of reached out to him and was like, Hey, we should do this, you know, like, and you know, he's, he's kind of like doing a, a, it's been a minute since we've worked together. He's got a family and the whole thing. And I was like, Oh man, if I could drag you out, I'd really love to like find a way to do a music video with you. And so he was like, well, yeah. I have this really simple idea, you know, I'll take this old crappy camera and just film you playing around town. And I think in an email was it on a vhs was it on like uh, vhs tapes um, it's or not was a vhs DV? tape it was maybe um, like mini um, DV? Ma not quite a mini dv something in between <laughs> like that okay it's, it's funny yeah. to think about like in that era of let's say i mean it, it's probably a camera this is like a little too nerdy but it's probably like a 2000s camera but okay during, yeah during like the like let's say from 1998 to like the mid 2000s, I remember in making videos like that, there were so many different like 
<laughs> tape formats. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like so many different size uh -huh. tapes. So I don't know what the camera was he used. I just know it had like a really insane zoom, like digital <laughs> zoom. So it wasn't a VHS, you know, it was a digital whatever, had digital zoom of like, you know, 500 or something like that. So... But right. yeah, so it was just cool. It was it was really fun to get Ben out of the house and just do this really simple idea that took us like a few hours to shoot. And I just I just wanted something visual for that song and and yeah, so it was cool. Yeah. It, was, it was a fun time. When did you shoot it? Was it like right before the pandemic or yeah. when, when um, like Shoot, when did we shoot that? It was probably I could figure out the date. I I don't it was sometime before. Yeah, it was not during. Yeah. It was definitely like I would say before everything got shut down. I mean, of course, like yeah. it was happening elsewhere, you know, outside of right. you know, America or whatever, but yeah, no, it, it was like I mean, because that's the thing, the turnaround for him editing it was so fast. And I think by the time he had edited it, we were in lockdown or something. So yeah, I mean, it, it must have been maybe within yeah. two weeks before everything, you know, shut down. Yeah, I've interviewed quite a few people that had had music videos. They shot it like a month before like the pandemic and stuff. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. You know? Actually, one of the last, one of my last physical interactions was meeting with another friend of mine to do a music video we went and had coffee and we're like wow so this is crazy like it's going down right now huh like well at least like you know we're not shut down and so like i had a i met up with a friend to go over the logistics of making another music video and we had planned everything went home we had an email thread going we had all these ideas and then it was like within with I don't know a few days that it all started the avalanche started and so yes I was <laughs> supposed to be, have done another music video during all this and oh man it all went away <laughs> it all went away you toured with a lot of different bands throughout the years besides like your own like projects that you've been a part of Portugal the man and best yeah. coast how has that been for you like working like as a touring musician on other people's projects I really really enjoy doing that I think it's a kind of thing where if you it feels like it's a grass is always greener sort of thing like for gigging musicians quote unquote or like side people like oh yeah I play you know let's say for instance um the guy that plays bass let's say Katy Perry's band or something like that you know or I, yeah. I mean for all I know that guy is yeah. a ripper and does like has his own band I don't know let's sure. just make up an example though so like you know that world of of music like kind of like side players sort of thing i feel like a lot of them maybe you know you you end up getting so deep into that world that you don't really get to like pursue your own music or maybe you're not interested in doing your own music but i feel like it's you know a lot of people like that end up kind of like regretting like oh dang i didn't like i i, I put so much energy into playing in this person's band and then all of a sudden, like, whoa, maybe I'm not doing that anymore. And like, what do I have to show? Yeah. For that? You know what I mean? So it's kind of a weird thing. And obviously in Los Angeles, a lot of people, there's a lot of session yeah. musicians, you know, touring people and stuff, you know, like bands, you know, artists need those people. They're like, yeah. you know, they make a lot of that world go around. So when I moved here uh, six or seven years ago, I remember specifically thinking, okay, I need to get, I need to get other irons in the fire. And I'm, I'm interested in that world, you know, of like, okay, it'd be cool to start playing with more people and doing this thing. And so I kind of started just, you know, putting the word out. I mean, 
I still don't know how well that's worked, but I, cause I'm always interested in doing more of it. Uh, yeah. So it's, but it's been neat. So yeah. I, and I did it. I, I think back like, okay, I don't want to get a job. I moved to LA and I don't want to have a real quote unquote real job. So maybe what I could start doing is like getting other stuff going. And one of those things was like, well, I want to try and play in other people's bands when, when Terramello says downtime, you know? And so through just, I don't know, making friends with people and putting the word out, I was able to do uh, a, a good amount of that stuff. And I, like I said, I love doing it. It's such a different world. And, you know, it's like a lot less stress too, right? It's not your own, like, you're not presenting your art. You're, you know, like you're not, you're not in charge yeah. of it. You like someone tell here, tell me what to do. You tell me exactly what you it, want. You know? And, yeah. you know, and it'll be cool. Yeah. And also I, I, I think like, oh, that in itself is the job, right? Like, you know, like, oh, cool. I, I am going to work a real job and my real job is going to be playing music just with someone else. And I just thought that was like so fortunate to be able to do something like that. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, if I was... I don't know, playing guitar in a much less interesting situation. Maybe if, let's say I, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of um, an example that would not be good of like actually doing music and playing guitar, which would be kind of like a soul sucking <laughs> yeah. situation. Yeah. yeah. I guess the point I'm making is like, it, I feel so, I love playing guitar and playing music. So I'll do it in any capacity, especially if it like helps me earn a living, which helps me like, you know, uh, continue to pursue stuff that I actually want to do artistically. But like, maybe if I got a job, like, um, playing, doing guitar overdubs for like Nordstrom's commercials <laughs> yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Right. That might right, be where I totally. draw the line. Like, Ooh, this is a right, little too yeah. soul sucking, but everything else under the sun, just about, I like, I really like doing, um, in the, in the guitar world. And yeah, one of those things was playing and touring with other people, which I just thought was so much fun. One thing you got to be a part of is being like in the house band with best coast on Fred Savage's TV show. What was that like for you? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, one of the craziest, coolest, most fun, bizarre experiences I've had as a musician. Bob and I, well, I'm friends with Best Coast, this band Best Coast. I met them a couple years ago when I kind of moved into their neighborhood um, and had a lot in common with them. And just we, we, we became buds. And Best Coast is, you know, Best Coast is Beth and Bob. It's their band. And then they have like their friends that kind of help populate the band and play the songs live and stuff just like yeah. we were talking about they have you know they have touring musicians, musicians. Yeah. They're, they're friends they're touring musicians right yeah and they're kind of like spread out in different cities different states blah 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 so when they got that opportunity it was like well it's going to be difficult to like fly the band in and get the band going so well why don't we just ask nick if he wants to help us do it and i was like oh my god are you serious yes like i would love to do that and so we did That's it. So great. And yeah. I I love the film entertainment industry. I just think it's so cool. I still like I think always I will always always slow down when I pass like when I drive by like a production, you know, filming on the street cuz I'm yeah. like, "Ooh, it's so cool. I love all this stuff and <laughs> I just love that world. I think it's so interesting." So, for me to be on a set and I mean, obviously like, oh yeah, that's Fred Savage. Whoa. And Kevin Smith is on the show today and we get to write a, like a, a little song for Kevin Smith to come out to. That is amazing. But even like all the really like 
subtle nerdy things like oh man i could just like walk around the set right now by myself and like check out you know see the behind the scenes stuff and you know it's just it's a really cool world and i have so much respect for it and to be like kind of on the other side was a really really neat experience and i'm very grateful to them for having me and like yeah how many um how many like music cues did you have to come up with for each episode did it vary or yeah yeah it did um because well let's see the way it works is you know you got your bump in when you're coming in from a commercial yep you got your bump outs you got your show intro you got your show outro you got let's say on average two guests so each guest gets like a song Mm -hmm. so that's six let's say there's um two segments oh yeah we're doing this segment and so we need a song for this and then we need a song for this and then let's say there's one more musical sting or something they need so i would say on average about 10 nine or 10 things that we would write and you know like we had band practice for those you know yeah yeah we got to write them and like like it it would be the kind of thing where it's like oh whoa we just got the notes for like what we need to have written by tomorrow so all right we better all get together today and like figure this out so it was like it was a little bit of a different experience but like really really interesting and fun that's so cool and it was on like that that is just such a crazy thing to put on like you know on your resume or having your memory bank like oh it was on after whatever like family guy or something on fox on sundays you know that's just that's just crazy that that like is something that happened i i still can't believe that yeah that's yeah i i watched a few of those episodes and it was super fun i mean i hope they bring it back i don't know if there's a second season coming i I don't know i don't know that like i think uh the show itself was just kind of a confusing premise and The target audience, I don't know that maybe they knew what the target audience was. A couple of the guys of the head writers were like, like they were, the the show was walking a fine line between like, oh, do we want to go like weird and kind of like adult swim? Or do we want to keep it like, you know, chill and Sunday Night Fox? And so trying to find that balance, I think, was kind of a tricky idea with the concept of that show. Whereas like had they gone full on like all right full tilt let's make this a weird thing like very conceptual and kind of like far out i think it would have had a better chance of like resonating with people whereas it was almost like the show was too meta slash too normal and i don't think a lot of people understood what it was you know yeah going back to like the new album out coming coming out in june like how do you feel about releasing it like during lockdown and like the pandemic and everything yeah Um, well i had for for disheveled cuss there was two tours that were canceled yeah and then you know i'm just sure stuff would have been kind of like coming in on top of that so it's weird you know, yeah. like, okay, yeah. like Fiona Apple releases a record during this time. And obviously apples and oranges, come on, I get that. But I'm just saying yeah. like, it's all eyes on that record and we all have so much time to like digest it and re-listen to it. And that's like a really cool thing. So th- there's a positive thing to releasing music right now, you know? And right. on the other hand, I'm just like, well, man, I don't know. I-, I come from the world of like, you really need to like, tour in support of your record and like Mm -hmm. that's how i get people to like know about it and hear about it as opposed to like tweeting or posting about it on instagram you know what i mean especially just now that the culture we live in where it's just so kind of like 
ADD or something, you know, it's like, okay, cool. I put out a record. What next? What am I doing next? You know, right. it's like, no, no, I, I, you got to like chill for on that for a while. Like there's nothing next. I put out the record, like keep listening to it. Hopefully, yeah. you know, so I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's cool and it's different, but yeah. I just, I, I was hoping that obviously I would get to tour with it and like develop this as a thing, you know, like, Oh, right. disheveled cuss, mm -hmm. this band, boom, this tour, boom, this tour. Oh, supporting right. this going, yeah. you know, like doing like an album cycle thing. Right. Like I, and that, yeah. that's oh, totally. what the album cycle is. And, you know, like actually speaking of best coast, like they, you know, they spent whatever two years making their record and they finally get to the finish line. We release it, go on tour. And then in the middle of their tour, you know, like it happens, they have to yeah. cancel the rest of their yeah. tour. And that's a crazy right. thing, you know, cause you're like, well, I was hoping <laughs> for this to not happen. I wanted to, you know, like we put in all the hard work to get to this point to where it's like, all right, the record's out and here we go, you know, hit the ground running and that's mm -hmm. not happening now. So yeah, so yeah. it's a weird thing, but I don't really like dwell on it. It is what it is. And, you know, hopefully it, it works out for the best. I mean, yeah, I'm excited. Cool. <laughs> June yeah. 12th, yeah. right? I, June I'm excited 12th? too. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, especially yeah. considering, you know, going back to, I've been playing some of these guitar riffs for you know, 14 years. So to have like right. have those manifested into songs that made it onto a record, I'm very grateful for that. Um, what was the songwriting process like then? I mean, if you had like all these ideas over, you know, the past like 14 years, like how did you decide to, okay, this is... The songwriting process, well, it's just so, it's so different from what I'm used to because usually me writing songs like you know there's a lot of brain power that goes into like making a terramello song like you know yeah and, like just uh, there's a lot of nuanced things you know that to consider where with this band it's like the songwriting process is sitting on the couch strumming a guitar being like all right cool i like that what should it go to next yeah. boom 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 cool drum vibe will be this got it nice uh let me think about lyrics for a little while you know it's like it's yeah. it's very very uh different than what i'm used to but i just and i like it it's a, it's a big welcome change i just i don't have to like i don't know i feel like um you know you know what it is maybe it's like the old uh when you're batter up or whatever when you're on i don't know what you call that when you're getting yeah. ready to go uh up to bat at when you're playing baseball and the guy's like standing <laughs> yes. off to the side and he swing he's like practice swing practicing his swing you know with like seven baseball bats he goes up to bat and he's only got one because now he's like super strong because he was just swinging yeah. seven maybe that's like the equivalent you know what i mean like oh cool i spent years a decade swinging you know, 50 baseball bats before I went up to bat. And now I'm like, oh, cool. I don't have to do that. I just, I get up there and I just have to swing one. You know what I mean? So it's a lot easier. It just feels like a lot, um, I don't know, like worn in, you know, like I, I could do it. I, I could do it and feel comfortable doing it. You know, I don't know if it, I don't know how uh, that gets yeah. perceived, <laughs> but um, I, I think it like, you know, I'm happy with it. I think it's cool. What keeps you going being musician and being an artist, just working in the industry? Yeah. What does keep me going? I don't think I would really have a choice in the matter. You know, yeah. uh, that's kind of like a cliche thing, but I think of some friends who are artists or maybe people that I've played in bands before who are like maybe have 
uh, evolve to work, quote unquote, regular jobs or have families or do that whole thing yeah. that are outside of being a musician and, you know, continuing on that path. And I just don't know that I have that like ability to not do this. You know, I've kind of structured yeah. my life in a way where I can do this. You know, I have very little overhead. I don't have like a nice car or something. I don't, you know, like yeah. I, I live within my means to be able to do this the way that I do it, you know, which is like, right. it's not like our Terramelos or anything I've ever done was ever like a, a big successful thing. I mean, I know that's relative, but you know what I mean? It's not like it, we were like, I've never yeah. made a lot of money being in a band. So as long as I can, like, I try to be smart about how, like what my, how my life is structured to be able mm -hmm. to just play shows that sound, the guitar sounds like a fork in a garbage disposal, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like I've got, I'm trying, yeah. to, trying to make yeah. it to where I could just continue doing that. And that's what makes me happy. And I, I don't think where I to pursue something else outside of this. I mean, it's, it's not that I don't think I know I wouldn't be as happy. I mean, there's other things I'm interested in. Like I said, you know, yeah. like film, you know, film. And yeah. just there's other <laughs> things that like, I, I would like to be doing, but ultimately, yeah, I, I really think I just need to like stay on this path and you know that's what makes me happy i think about um you know legendary bass player mike watt i mean i don't know how old mm -hmm. he is now he's definitely like is he 70 now no i don't know i don't know how old mike watt is yeah, let's google mike watt all right mike watt here's his <laughs> wikipedia page mike watt is 62 duh okay 62 uh and you know mike watt still tours in a van you know and plays punk rock shows you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I'm I like, that's, that sounds pretty good to me. I wouldn't mind being 62 and just having my, my world figured out and being like, okay, cool. Like this, it's self-sustaining. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not yeah. trying to like, like, I know I'm probably not going to own a nice house or this or that, but if I could just keep it going, mm -hmm. you know, the way it's going, I'm very happy with that. That's so good. Do you have any tips for artists out there or um, musicians about working in the industry? Wow. I, I think about that question when I get asked that a lot and it just, yeah, it just depends because you know, I, I took, like I said, I mean, I was just joking about it, but like, I took like kind of like a bizarre path of doing this, you know, and mm -hmm. Not that I would have changed anything. I wouldn't change anything. Like, cause like I said, here I am, I'm happy doing this podcast. Like yeah. got a roof up from my head, drinking yeah. some coffee, like all good. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like my joke answer. <laughs> so this is the joke answer. <laughs> like, Oh, start yeah. a metal band, get into metal. And, and the reason <laughs> yeah. I say yeah. that, even though it is jokey, but it's like metal has like a built in loyal audience, you know, there's no like ageism in metal music, you know, yeah. like I just, I feel like there's such a, a high success rate if you could be a good metal band, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just get good yeah, yeah, and yeah. like, you know, there's so many subgenres and whatever. And so that, that's like my joke answer. Like, oh, you want to like play music? Start a metal band, get into metal, <laughs> Yeah, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And you know, that's only half joking or whatever, but no, I don't know. I don't really have advice. I'm, I'm still like, yeah, I'm still okay. trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, you know, oh, yeah, be smart are. about it. Um, maybe like, honestly, actually, maybe here's the advice. If you really want to pursue music, don't have a backup plan. 
because then that really forces you. And I don't have a backup plan. You know, like I have yeah. friends that, you know, went to college and got that and was like, well, okay, I could always do this. And maybe there's something like psychologically that like sets you up to not go as hard or grind as hard knowing you have, you know, that safety net. Whereas for me, I'm like, nope, I got nothing else. I could like play shows doing the fork in the garbage disposal sound, or I could go get a job at Target and I don't want to get a job at Target. So <laughs> yeah. let's yeah. just move forward, you know? So yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's <laughs> the advice. Don't have a backup plan. <laughs> um, I asked this to all my guests. Why do you love music? Wow. What is like the average answer for that question? I mean, it's, it, it, it's, <laughs> it goes, it goes all over the place. So <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that's a crazy question. Why do you love music? I guess like most people love music, right? Most people listen to music. My parents probably love music, but yeah. you know, uh, it's a different sort of relationship to music, right? Like versus what a, someone, you know, a musician or someone that's been playing an instrument, you know, for 20 years or something. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what that relationship is or why it's there. It was just something that when I was that age, you know, gave me goosebumps and made me be like, Ooh, that is so cool. Whoa. I want to be able to do that, you know, and then just fully pursue it. And I guess just it's, you know, creating something and people thinking it's cool that, you know, there's like a rush you get from doing that. And yeah. it's like a, this, this sonic creation that is, you know, you can listen to and enjoy yourself. And if people can find things in that, that's, that's like a really neat thing, I guess, you know, um, and, and music is, well, it's universal too, right? Yeah. Which is pretty is. cool. Like, you know, uh, basketball is not a universal thing, you know, like mm -hmm. skateboarding, like, well, okay, that's sports, but like, I don't know, music every everyone listens to and enjoys music you know so i just think that's like a neat thing to be able to pursue and kind of reach as many of those people as you can you know yeah yeah definitely well anything else you want to add today let's see well dots moved in to where i'm doing this she's by my side she's oh great she seems kind of hot we got like a warm warm wind going uh, <laughs> oh she's dreaming right now i could see her yep She's got her little doggy dreams going on. So oh my gosh. she says hi to anyone out there listening. <laughs> How about Disheveled Cuss? There you go. That's what I'd like to say. Check out the Disheveled Cuss record. It's out June 12th. As of today, there are four songs that are out there on the internet yes. to listen to. Um, and I hope to have more from that band, um, you know coming soon hopefully that's so good yeah yeah well thank you so much for being on the show today thank i really you for appreciate having it me. it was my pleasure thanks again to the bang ups for the theme music and to nick for being on the show if you want to support the podcast please paypal i love music podcast at gmail.com i really appreciate all the support this has been the i love music podcast with jen fedor